Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature sculptor and painter Leonardo Benzant, a Dominican-American artist with Haitian heritage, born and raised in Brooklyn. His practice is informed by his studies of the Congo and his spiritual beliefs shaped by research into African and Caribbean religion, art, history, culture, and rituals. He deploys a wide variety of media and found objects to create dynamic, hanging, beaded sculptures. He is also an impressive painter. Leonardo received a Joan Mitchell Foundation Painters and Sculptors Grant and attended the Galveston Artist Residency in Texas. He has also participated in select exhibitions, including Untitled in Miami Beach in both 2019 and 2020, Expo Chicago, Pulse Contemporary, and the Claire Oliver Gallery located in Harlem. In this episode, the artist will share with us notes to himself. He is currently exhibited by the Clear Oliver Gallery, and his first solo show at the gallery opened on November 11th and will extend through January 8th, 2022. Welcome to this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast and enjoy my conversation with sculptor and painter Leonardo Benzant. Leonardo, thank you so much for joining me today on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I know we have a lot to talk about, so I want to jump in and ask you, when did you first recognize your artistic passion? I have a couple of images that come to mind when I think about that question, but one of them is is an image of me as a little boy sitting at the window, uh, just watching the world and I think that my my concept of myself as an artist originates from me being aware of a very particular perception of reality. Like, in other words, it began in how I look at the world before I picked up a pencil or a brush or anything like that. The other one is like when I was in high school, I, I was bored one day and I was looking through my teacher's closet and I found... Um, art magazines, uh, like Art Forum and and so on and so forth. And I remember coming across uh, an image by the painting of Robert Motherwell and the Kooning and other artists. And I just had this eerie feeling, kind of like in my bones, sort of feeling like I want to be a part of this. Let's talk about your practice and all the different aspects. And if you can comment on how those artists influenced you. Well, originally I had thought of myself as a painter. Um, 
I believed that my direction in art was exclusively going to be about painting at one point in my life. I was involved very closely with a mentor who I would spend a lot of time with, and he was a painter. And his whole perception of being an artist was painting, and I learned how to mix colors and color theory and just the whole process of making paintings and how to and and just thinking about process he had a, an extensive library of all these different books books by artists such as uh paul clay and matisse kandinsky anthony tapias mata gorky our child gorky just a whole bunch of artists picasso you name it you know and i was very impressed by his library like very impressed it just made such a powerful impression on me. And um, I think books were uh, instrumental because, uh, uh, you know, they were full color, illustrated pages. It was just very inspiring to to be able to just go to his library and just check out all these different artists. I guess to answer your question, I think I think that painting informs the sculptures that I do and the way that I use color and the way that I conceptualize my forms. They come from a very painterly orientation of things, conflated with my exposure to craft and rituals and uh, what people might call, you know, low art or craft art. Can you share with us, elaborate on the types of materials you choose to work with? My main materials are, are fabric and beads. I mean, that's primarily, and paint. Fabric, beads, and paint. And, and my sub-materials, you might say, are monofilament and string. <laughs> you know, those are like my main materials. What point did you decide to start working with those materials? What, what inspired you? I think the inspiration for the direction that my work took in terms of the beaded sculptures was... It originates in having become a, a, a father, you know. My daughter was born, and it was a time where I had to take care of her a lot. And it was very hard to multitask, you know, like painting and taking care of her. And so I started this piece that took about nine months to make, <laughs> the period of time that a woman is pregnant. I mean... <laughs> It's, it's, it's crazy just the way that coincidences happen like that. But it was a, it was a piece that, I, that took nine months to make, and it was primarily made from fabric, and the process was primarily a process that involved sewing. So I found that I could sew while, ho like, while holding my daughter close, close to me and like putting it down momentarily to feed her or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Whereas I couldn't really do that with painting. What does your workspace look like? My workspace currently is an apartment in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands. And I, I live and work in the same space, you know. So it's basically an apartment. I use the, I use the living room, the entire living room as like my studio space. What do you enjoy most about being an artist? I love the process and the way that you feel godlike you know, that you, that you can decide what you're going to create and that you're going to decide what kind of world you want to create. 
and what kind of vocabulary you want to develop. It's, it's very godlike, you know, it's just very empowering. How has your practice changed over the years from the early days of sewing to now? I guess at the time that I had started sewing, I was primarily taking fabric and just putting together forms by sewing fabric. But then the fabric was sublimated in a sense, and it became the understructure for my work. So when you look at my beaded sculptures now, the understructure is is comprised of fabric that I've structured into something that holds my beads, you know? So I just added additional layers to my process, you know, by adding beads and paint and collage and this whole process of, of wrapping and binding and I incorporated weaving with the beads and embroidery. I just kind of like things became just more complex and started to expand and evolve. How do you feel while you're painting? I feel very engrossed and immersed when I'm painting and very excited. There's a, there's an anticipation of a, a, a world sort of developing as I'm, as I'm making a painting. Do you listen to music while you work? Yes, I do, but not all the time. What type of music do you prefer? I like to listen to everything, especially anything that has some sort of African base to it, you know, some kind of African-derived, you know, rhythm and, you know, just all the principles that you find in African music, like call and response and polyrhythms. And so I listen to a lot of, you know, Afro-Cuban both secular, religious music. I listen to jazz. I listen to Fela Kuti. I listen to Afrobeat, Caribbean music, Brazilian. You know what I mean? You name it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's interesting that you don't listen to music all the time, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because sometimes I, I like to just be quiet. It allows me to listen to my inner landscape more so. When do the titles of your paintings or your sculpture enter the creative process? They usually enter the creative process in the, right in the middle. <laughs> but most of my titles come at the very end, after, at the very end or just after finishing or completing a work. If they start in the middle, mm -hmm. do they change by the ending? If they start in the middle, sometimes they do change. Yes, they do. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> How would you define black art? So I was I was reflecting on this this uh, the notion notions of black art, and and I was asking myself, you know, can a black actor make art? And I say actor because all actors, because we're all actors in this, on the stage of life, as they say. And so I, I I ask myself sometimes, can can we make art that transcends identity politics and race? Are we allowed to do that? while at the same time being aware of the inevitability of being perceived solely or primarily in terms of race and still there to be completely hu a human being, being your authentic self, as I felt myself to be when I was an innocent little boy looking outside the window before discovering or, or before being designated as Black. 
So, I mean, those are the kind of reflections that I have about Black art. And, and I think about how there are as many definitions of art as there, as there are individuals. And I'm not sure that any one artist can be the representative of what Black art is. I know that a lot of times people think of it in terms of narrative depiction or, or figurative depiction, representation. And sometimes people have a hard time with embracing abstraction as, as Black. But I don't know, art, I'm not sure if there is such a thing as Black art. I think art transcends race in a lot of ways. Because I remember being at Untitled Art Fair and this woman, this white woman, she came up to me and she was so moved by my work. She had just purchased it at full price. She didn't even ask for a discount. And um, she just came up to me, she started, she started crying and she was hugging me because she was so moved by my work. And it was an extraordinary experience. I, I, it's not the kind of thing that I experience all the time with the way that people receive my work. And it just let me know like art is, it transcends race. But at the same time, I understand the inevitability of being perceived as this black artist because of my body. But I'm not walking around in my studio the whole day thinking I'm black, I'm black, I'm black. I'm just I'm just making, you know what I mean? And I happen to be in a black body. Do you feel that your audience does understand your work? I honestly don't care if people understand my work because I don't think it's necessary to really fully, completely understand anyone's artwork. And I don't think that we do. I don't think that we understand fully and completely any masterpiece created by Picasso or Arshal Gorky or Cy Twombly or any of those artists. We don't fully comprehend what they were doing, but it resonates on a visceral level. It, it, it just resonates. It's just something about it that you can feel. Like jazz, when you listen to jazz, you don't understand what Miles is playing, but you can feel what Miles is playing. And that's sort of like the, the way that I think my work can be approached. You know, don't try to understand the whole thing because you're not going to. So tell me, how do you keep learning? I oftentimes reflect on the quotations of different artists. And one of them being Robert Motherwell, who I had mentioned earlier. And the other one was uh, Francis Bacon. And I had started writing some notes inspired by their quotations. And, and, and if I may, I, I was going to read. Um, the quotes first. So um, Robert Motherwell says, every intelligent painter carries the whole culture of modern painting in his head. And Francis Bacon says, Picasso is the reason why I paint. He is the father figure who gave me the wish to paint. So I was reflecting on those quotes and, um, and here's what I wrote. I wrote myself an email actually. I wrote regarding Picasso, apart from his dialogue and collaborations with Brock and others, as I understand it, it is my ancestors who informed and inspired Picasso's cubism in large part. The African forms transformed his whole perception of what art could become. The ancestors are not only for me, but for modern art as a whole, the mothers and the fathers, which gave us new vocabulary and directions in art. 
the ancestors gave me my own desire to create. But unfortunately, I feel that our view of what is African influence is oftentimes overlooked, minimized, too myopic, and one-dimensional. Yes, modern art is derived from African forms, namely sculpture and beyond sculpture. It is also the content that gives shape to the form. It is culture, it is cosmology, philosophy. It is not only the sculptures, but the dance, the masquerade, the rituals, the music, the dynamic of communal call and response. The influence transcends a one-dimensional reading of manifested forms. It is also the initiations, the way we walk, the way we transform everything we touch from basketball to politics. It is the way we Africanize European instruments as in the example of jazz and the way we Africanize materiality, in my case, the beads I use, which come from Czech Republic, not Africa. The influence is felt in all the rhythms and patterns of our world. For me, the notion of the ancestors as primitive as Jose Bedia has acknowledged in interviews is a misnomer. For me, the ancestors or the Bakulu, as the Bakongo referred to them, are not the primitive people as the West has misperceived and as misperceived by even our own people who are still colonized in their thinking, especially when it comes to the spirituality. The ancestors are not primitive, but rather the primary people, which means the first people, which means origin. They were the original people, the originators of civilization. I look at things through that lens and I see so clearly that modern art as we know it would not exist were it not for my ancestors. I state these things in part for those who might not have clearly understood that there is a magnificent and formidable sense of depth, soul, and resistance behind the beauty of my practice. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So I was going to ask you a question. What do you feel is the purpose of art? And you've answered that yeah. already. In a sense, I believe art is a way of life, like a culture. It's, it's your own personal culture your own mythology and we use myths and archetypes to help us understand our place in our own lives but in society at large and it's a it's a medium of healing and transformation like alchemy this has been a great conversation thank you so much this is our last question what do you feel is your role as an artist my role as an artist is to simply be open and receive the things that, that come to me and allow them to come through me. You might say, I think of myself as an artistic channel. That's something to think about, profound. Thank you so much, Leonardo, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.